0: Hello and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience within the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of our Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in, get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Hi,
1: welcome to Pause and Listen and our first Ask a Vet episode. My name is Lara Shannon, dog trainer, pet food nutritionist and host of the TV show Pooches at Play. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Edward Bassingthwaite, who is a holistic vet based in Frankston, Victoria. Today, we'll be chatting about how to keep our pets safe from diseases and parasites without overuse of preventative medicines, with a particular focus on vaccinations. This will not be an anti-vax podcast, but more focused on over-vaccination and reducing the strain on our pets immune system, plus we'll answer some questions submitted by the Big Dog Pet Foods Facebook group. Hi Edward, how are you?
2: Ah, I'm well, how are you going?
1: I'm good thank you. Looking forward to our conversation around over-vaccination.
2: Oh it's such an important topic.
1: It is and I was just saying as I was sitting here waiting to connect you that I had a bit of um, a bit of an experience of myself with Vindi which even you know, knowing what I know. And you would think that I would have asked more questions when I took Vindi in for his vaccinations. I just, I don't know, I just took him in. He really probably didn't need them, to be honest. He had them when he came to me when he was one and here he is just over two. So I was like, time for his vaccinations. And then because we were a couple of months late, he had to go in for a third booster, which I'd never had before. And I kind of was like, why does he need this? I didn't really get the answer. He didn't, and he didn't. That,
2: that, ex, that extra booster thing is there's no medical justification that I can see for that because if you've got a, a puppy or a kitten older than 16, sixteen weeks old that has a C3 or F3 modified live virus vaccine and they respond to the vaccine, which the, you know most the vast majority will, yes, then you've got a, lasting duration of immunity of at least to five to seven years, and this is proven by replicated research by Dr. Ronald Schultz. Been, yes. the, been there for years, this evidence, and it's a big blind spot in the veterinary industry, I believe, that they just don't, you know, they yes. jump up and down about holistic vets not having an evidence base and they seem to ignore this particular evidence <coughs> base. Makes me a bit grumpy.
1: Yeah, well, it made me a bit grumpy too. And then I was grumpy at myself, of course, because, you know, I should have known better and I just did it anyway. And I will never be doing that again. And Darcy has, uh, his last one was two years ago and we'll be leaving it at that for a while. So, um, you know, obviously when we were traveling a bit more and we were quiet at certain places and the like, their certificates, you know, there's not much you can do, but in this instance, um, yeah, I was really kicking myself, fortunately. Vindi didn't have any adverse side effects of what we could see. Um, but yes, it's certainly not something I'll be in a hurry about. And that um, as well, obviously brings us to tighter testing, but we're going to cover all of that. And I've got quite a few yeah. questions here from the group. So yes. did you want to give us a bit of an overview? I mean, obviously we've probably covered it a bit there that they probably don't need it as regular they, many don't need it. Like we're currently being well, told.
2: The the bottom line is that the yearly and three yearly vaccines are only yearly or three yearly because that's how far they've actually done research for the registration for a year or right. for three years' efficacy. Yes. But because they're the same, exactly the same kinds of vaccines that Schulze's research has <clears throat> showed very clearly gives you a know, long-lasting duration of immunity of at least five to seven years, often longer, sometimes lifelong. Mm-hmm. Um, we can assume that these so-called yearly and three-yearly vaccines give the same sort of level of protection and duration of protection. Now, you know, you, you might get the odd animal that doesn't respond or that um, that for some reason doesn't mount a strong response, and that's why I am red hot on recommending that everyone always get their animals titer tested before any revaccination, and I refuse to use the word booster because I think it's misleading and manipulative.
1: Yes, yes. I felt rather manipulated myself, I must say. Um, and the big thing we just probably do need to preface here is that we're not saying to people don't get your puppy vaccinated no, because no. we they're very they play a very important role. But it's let's just not over vaccinate our dogs.
2: Yeah. Um, look, vaccines are, are proven to uh, be very effective at at protecting against these deadly diseases. And, you know, they're also proven to have a risk attached to them. So my, my philosophy is minimum vaccination for maximum protection. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, perfect. So this is one question saying, don't standard vets, and standard vets, so are you, are you or are you not a standard vet, Dr. Edward, <laughs> um, have an ethical and moral responsibility to teeter test before blindly revaccinating? How are they getting away with putting our pets at risk when it's their job to protect them?
2: That's a really complex question. And there's a <laughs> lot of factors at play here. One being that, you know, vets. when I was at uni, I, I didn't get taught anything, you know, the, the possible risks of vaccination were brushed over. Um, you know, the, the benefits were very much focused on, there was really little or no consideration of, of the risks, risks of these interventions. And, um, we just got taught to go out there and vaccinate because that's best practice and I think vets are still being taught that mm. um, and I didn't get taught anything about Ronald Schultz's research until quite a lot of years later when I went off and got curious and started looking and you know glory me, um, suddenly I realised that mm-hmm. I was vaccinating a lot of animals that didn't need to be revaccinated now, I stopped doing that and I started teeter testing. I got the VaxiCheck in house teeter Test kits, which if yes. your vet says two or three or five hundred dollars for a teeter test, please turn around to them and say, Well, you know, you can get these lovely affordable in house um teeter test kits, which you should only have to charge me sixty or ninety dollars for. How about that?
1: yeah right because that was my other question as well because they can be quite expensive um to get the teeter test which would be putting a lot of people off but how many vets yeah, do you so, think are uh, having those in-house teeter testing do you have any well, idea I,
2: I have no idea but i know that it's growing because yes the, and the way this grow is that that all you guys listening should say to your vets hey i want a teeter test and i want an affordable teeter test and here's how you yes. do it yeah you know The expensive ones are because vets are sending them off to external labs and um, that's why it's more expensive. But you can do these Mm -hmm. in-house kits. We have them at the clinic that I work at. We run them many times a week because our philosophy at this clinic is that we always encourage people to Tita test before any call revaccination.
1: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So why aren't well, this this kind of I guess thing why aren't more vets trained in using teeter tests to check antibody levels and offering that first test instead of going straight for C3 or C5? I guess we've covered that really with we' of old school:
2: and I think the other factor is that um, vaccinations are very much a large part of income for a lot of practices, so there's a financial um, motivation mm. to stick with the yearly and three yearly, which they've got the registration for. And, you know, I think that's part of the problem is that there's a lot of, I know when I, went in, when I was in Townsville, I had my home visit practice and I realized this, and I stopped re-vaccinating a lot of animals, mm-hmm. I lost a significant amount of income. You know, yes. I probably lost 30% of my gross income because right. of changing, changing my habits on vaccination. Now, um, for me, it's a no-brainer to do that, but for a, if you're in a vet clinic where times are tough and you're financially on the edge, it could mean the difference between that clinic going under or not. Mm, now, yeah, that doesn't make it right or, or ethical, but I just want to, you know, talk about the underlying motivators for these behaviours. And a lot yeah. of these vets... Just they're honestly doing the best thing you know because they've never learned any better that's right because the industry at large is also heavily (laughs) um subsidized and sponsored by vaccine companies which is another influence you know the AVA is heavily sponsored by the people who make the vaccinations the world small animal veterinary association the american the uk ones they're all there are other financial um pressures shall we say that affect behavior of yes going right through the profession from you know representative bodies right down to people in business who you know veterinary a lot of people think that vets are really expensive and and ripping people off and i can tell you if you had to run a vet clinic and you looked at the overheads that they have to manage to run a vet clinic and if we didn't have medicare in australia you'd think vets were yes. very cheap
0: yes
1: yeah i it's pretty much replying that same answer on a Facebook post. I can't help but start tapping away when I see people questioning the pricing of vets. And, you know, so yeah. while we are kind of talking here about the fact that, okay, they make money out of vaccinations at the same time, our vets do get a really tough rap from a lot of people questioning their bills. And I just say to them, look, it's not subsidized by Medicare. And they certainly vets are not earning the income that people seem to think they are for all the study that they are. I think an entry level vet is, or vet no, fifty thousand dollars after all that study, and I think maximum some of her. Our...
2: I think it's a little bit higher now, but you know, even a vet who's been out twenty, twenty five years, who's an experienced vet, might only be earning one hundred to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's right. Um, it's the lowest paid degree um professions yes. there is
1: so i think we must keep in mind let's not give our vets a hard time over this let's instead ask them to consider the alternative being teeter testing of course and the more we do that then the more we will see this
2: absolutely and you know that's where change will come is from pressure from clients um yes if they keep their clients happy uh, you know, I've had a lot of clients who've had a lot of pressure put on by vets to revaccinate their animals, and some of them have yeah. done it. And but so you also need to be firm, and you know, say, well, have you, have you, Mr. Vet, Mrs. Vet? Probably more likely Mrs. Vet because it's mostly yeah. women. to have you actually read the research that Donald Rock, Ronald Sh- Dr. Ronald Schultz in America, yes. about just about the actual duration immunity of these vaccines and if you haven't could you have a read of it please so that then we can have a discussion and we're both at least talking about the same data
1: that's right are you perhaps able to put a link somewhere in here have you got a link to that at some point i will um, put you right on the spot there haven't i perhaps we'll, well see if, next time let's I, I, see if we can <laughs> i'm sure that we
2: can do thing maybe if you get the big dog crew to, to yeah. email me. Then they can post something up
1: that's right and we can find that so this uh, is a comment from uh, someone in the group saying i've had two Tita tests done on my pup after she'd had the three initial puppy shots both times she came back and her antibodies were levels were in the highest range so she didn't get vaccinated unnecessarily but she had to ask the vet to do it both times so i think that's where the the question is
2: um, look The state of play in the industry at the moment is that unless you go to an integrative clinic, which are rare, or a holistic veterinarian, which again, are are like like hen's teeth, there's not too many of us around, you're going to have to request this. You're going to have to actively request it because the status quo is that vaccines are safe and they're the best thing ever and, you know, we should just be giving them yearly or three yearly. I hear another argument in the industry that, well, if we don't do the yearly and three yearly vaccinations, the animals won't come in for the yearly checkup, and we might miss a problem. Now, mm. I think that's a rubbish argument, personally. Mm. Mm. But that,
1: yeah, it's one to consider, though, isn't it? So we need to say to people it is important to still be getting those annual checks because it's a long time in between vet visits, otherwise, for our for our pets, particularly our dogs. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's very important to to have your annual check-up with your vet to go in and, and talk to them and have, it, have the vet examine your animal all over because you just might pick up something that's really serious. Mm. And if you missed it, you'd be pretty unhappy with yourself.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, this one, someone uh, lives in Japan where the ra- the rabies vaccine must be administered annually regardless of what other countries do or how long it has an effect. While this is definitely an issue uh, being discussed currently for now, it's something we'll have to adhere to. There are two ra- rabies vaccines available in Japan. They've given two of those here. Um, and they're not sure if they have an, an option at the vets, but if they do, okay, so this is a... Do you know much about rabies vaccines, Dr. Edward?
2: Um,
1: we don't really I, a, need them so a, much here.
2: You could write everything I know about rabies vaccine on my little <laughs> fingernail. Uh, so I can't, I cannot give you any advice on which rabies vaccine may or may not be better. Mm. Um, now I do understand why they're so strict on rabies vaccinations because it is a deadly zoonotic disease. Mm. If a rabies dog bites a human, then that if that human doesn't get immediate treatment, well, first they've got to actually euthanize the dog and look at the dog's brain to make sure it is rabies. Yeah, because you can't diagnose it without killing the animal right um and then if it is rabies well you're going to have massive intra-abdominal injections of immunoglobulins to to counteract the um virus that's active in your system which i imagine would not be terribly pleasant and if you don't get treatment develop rabies then it's fatal and there's no there's no treatment so i i understand why it's such an imperative and also i wish i wish that they would start thinking about teeter testing for rabies too in those countries because yes. again if you've got a strong antibody in the body then the animal's going to be immune
1: yes yeah so i didn't need that we're moving on a little bit here then more onto um someone wanting to hear any advice you have on preventing tick-borne illnesses fleas, and so on um, this person's seen everything from ultrasonic devices to the typical spot treatments like Frontline, which cause their family pets some skin issues. And this person is very confused as to what is most effective but also least
2: harmful. Well, there is an abundance of rock and hard places when we come to this topic. Mm, theres It no is, easy, isn't it? There's no easy answers that we risk what we decide <laughs> to do. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of Nexgard or Bravecto, the Isoxazoline um, family of parasite prevention, tick and flea prevention. I've seen a lot of anecdotal evidence of animals being severely harmed and injured by those particular compounds. Nice. Um, spot-ons well it's not just the active ingredients but it's the solvents that they're carried in that that worry me with the spot-ons because you've got all these um interesting chemicals that the the active ingredients are dissolved in that then the solvents dissolve into the fatty layer of the the sebum that's over the skin and it migrates all over the body so you've got a double whammy of different kinds of toxic ingredients going in with Mm. them I'm not a big fan of spot-ons. Um, if you're living in a paralysis tick area, it you know, which I did, I lived in northern New South Wales for a while at near Yukai, near Mawillenba, which is probably one of the hottest tick areas in Australia apart from Sydney. <laughs> Sydney's also pretty feral. Yes, with we are doing um, a
1: tick story, paralysis tick in this series.
2: Yeah, yeah. And mm. What what I ended up doing was actually using an older style um, collar, the Kiltix collar, which is an organophosphate compound, and that's an old school compound. That is not one of these newer, modern, longer lasting ones. So you have to change the collar, you know, every month or six weeks. Yes. Um, and. That works reasonably well, but if you 're in tick area, you need to be checking your animals with your fingertips on every bit of their body and looking in their mouth mm. um, checking all around their genitalia and back end and in their ears every day because yeah. I' have seen dogs and cats uh, come down with tick paralysis on all kinds of treatments. you cannot hundred yeah. percent see that any of these treatments are going to one hundred percent prevent your animal getting ticked so mm that's that's my recommendation and what i did with my dogs was to use the kiltix collars mostly because if you get an organophosphate toxicity all you got to do is inject some atropine into them and it's gone you've you've got an antidote for that particular toxin going into the animal's body and you know um we've also got ehrlichiosis you know this new disease coming (laughs) Australia, like story no on tickle. that as well yes yes which is a worry because it also kills mm. dogs you know they're talking with that about the recommendation because the, the ticks only really have to attach for a short time to transmit mm. that disease they're talking about having the collar and the spot and the the yes. um internal or spot on so that you um you're then doubling the toxic load for the animals and Again, there's no, no real easy answers for this.
1: No.
2: You've got risk on both sides of the equation um, and you're going to have to make an informed choice on that. I'm actually thinking of doing a little video course about this soon. Yeah, I've just done one about safe disease protection that we launched last week. And yeah. I think another really important topic that people need information so they can make an informed choice.
1: That's right, because that is the the challenge with the ticks as well because, yeah, nothing is 100% proof. So you need to be mindful of, you know, where you can, avoiding places where there might be ticks if you can, you know, bushlands and the like. And as you say, checking your tick and yep. as soon as you find something, getting them straight to the vet as well. So well, I think that's the big thing there.
2: Yeah, well, with the paralysis ticks, they generally have to be on... The animal for 24 to 48 hours before you get okay. development. So they're not just bite and get sick. They they have to be embedded and engorging and and, and, and um, leaking the toxin into the animal's body for okay. some time. So if you're checking them every 24 hours, yes, um, and you pull the tick off, then you have to wash them, of course, for any symptoms because some dogs yes. will be super sensitive or cats. And if you see symptoms, uh, then absolutely go in but you know the one one thing a couple of things to really look out for for ticks is any change in your animal's voice right is a red hot indicator that there might be a tick on them stopping eating and of course stumbling unable to go up and down stairs all those sort of things are also and you know when you check your dog for ticks um it might pay to take your collar off i had a friend of mine in all the new northern new south wales who lost his dog because there was a tick under the collar and this dog was checked by 3 vets and 5 vet nurses and they all missed it the other thing about um, um, the other thing about ticks is that they have this ability to hide so if you've got a sick animal you need to get sometimes multiple people to check the animal all over for some reason they just seem to have this ability to hide from people looking for them
1: yeah right okay and they do like to hide in wait as well waiting for a host body to walk walk past That's... and jump on them <laughs> um okay so yeah i think it's really important as well in your area I mean, because the areas are changing as well we are getting um, warmer climates even here in melbourne it's getting more humidity so we are seeing ticks coming further down than what they used to be so it's not just a Queensland or northern Sydney beaches issue now. It is, um, yep. it is every you know, potentially everywhere, and they are travelling as well on on different animals too. So definitely yeah, talk to your vet.
2: Even historically in Melbourne, there are one or two or three tick paralysis cases in Melbourne each year. So right. it might be rare. Knowing the signs is important, just in case you you're the one that the lightning strikes. You know
1: yes yes exactly um we do have some signs and symptoms on the poopers at play website as well around tick um, bites and paralysis ticks so we can certainly um, offer that up for a bit of advice on there now we have someone would love to ask you for your opinion on the surge of epilepsy cases in dogs and why this is happening is it over vaccination tea and sleep prevention poor kibble diets household garden chemicals, and what alternatives do owners have when it comes to epilepsy, pharmaceutical drugs? Big question there.
2: <laughs> this is a big question. And I don't know if it's really increased a lot or if it just seems to because there's social media and everyone tells everyone about their mm. dogs having epilepsy. Um, I certainly haven't seen any literature to suggest that there's been a, a, any kind of dramatic increase in, in incidence of epilepsy in animals. and that Okay. That happen um, we don't know the causes of epilepsy it's it's a mystery to medical science no. um, it's you basically get a, a spasm or a, an electrical an electrical spasm in the brain where the, um, the electrical activity goes haywire in the brain why it starts uh, you can have it from, you know, some kind of traumatic brain injury if you get a little clot and scarring in the brain. Sometimes if that happens in the in a certain place in the brain, it'll start triggering seizures, and that's what happened to my aunt, which is why I know yeah. that. Yeah, right. She had a little stroke and didn't know about it until she started having fits. Okay. And when they found a bit of scarring there... Um, but we don't know what causes epilepsy and it's a devil of a thing to treat. It's really difficult to treat. It's often refractory to treatment in that you'll give them medication and they'll improve for a bit, then get worse, and you'll have to increase medication or add in medications until you've got, you know, three, four or more active different chemicals going in to try and stop the fits. Mm. And a reasonable number of these animals, we have to euthanize because everything stops working and we've maxed out what we can give them yeah causative factors i don't know um i i think you just want to minimize toxic load um, minimize vaccination without compromising disease protection levels Mm um you know get all the toxic stuff out of your home get all the artificial fragrances out of your home all those sort of things healthy diet The the happier you know the more you work on uh overall vital well-being in your animals then the less likely that these things will happen
1: that's right i think it's about balance really isn't it you know we, we know that there are some evils in life that or you know and particularly in different tick areas or high flea areas or whatever and your dog needs protection or they have to have their vaccination because they go to a doggy daycare whatever it is i think it's around i take this approach with my food and alcohol it's all about balance so having a bit of <laughs> bad but balance it mostly with the good so i don't use any toxic chemicals i don't use any uh plug-in smelly things it's all natural stuff and i kind of figure that's you know getting rid of all the everyday stuff no perfumes or the natural ones so that if i would like that glass of wine or that little bit extra well i'm kind of balancing it out a little bit more than if i was doing all of that as well as that
2: <laughs> yeah yeah look <Well>, first- <laughs> I don't actually do alcohol. I don't do coffee anymore. I just stay away from those things. But that's a personal choice, you know. And if if a little bit, a little bit's not going to harm you too much, I, and if that's what makes you happy, then that's what makes you happy.
1: Yeah, and then just balancing it out with getting rid of all other stuff in the meantime as well. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, and so same with our pets. And I think that's a big one as well. Some of the easy things that we forget that we could do is getting rid of all those everyday chemicals. I mean, the easy thing to do is to get rid of chemicals in our home. Toxic yeah. chemicals, cleaning chemicals, as you say, plug in smelly things that are all artificial. And then you're just um, reducing so much of that load already.
2: Yeah, so if you if you have any kind of air freshener, 99% of candles that are scented have artificials in them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get healthy candles, you'd need to go on somewhere like Etsy and and look for candles that have got only essential oils to fragrance them. Um, mm-hmm. And look, there's stacks of home options now that are that have got no nasties in them. There's it, it used yeah. to be hard to get stuff, and now there's heaps of companies in that space, which is really encouraging.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere and cheap as well. There's some very cheap ones on the supermarket shelves that have no chemicals, and they're cheaper than the chemical laden ones. So, okay, so we've kind of talked around this. How can you? So, um, someone living in coastal New South Wales where paralysis ticks are incredibly rampant. So, if there's no effective alternative, which we've, as you know, we've kind of said that there isn't. Can you recommend a way to help the body detox the constant doses of chemicals that they're getting?
2: Yeah, look, milk thistle is good and again it comes back to really healthy clean diet so that you've got as much vital energy going into the system in terms of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um supplements and I'm just in the middle of writing the next article for the big dog blog which is all about superfoods and supplements for your pets so yes. hang out and when it comes out, uh, you just really want to be working on peak well-being as much as you can, because the more vital energy your animal has in their system, the more resilient they become yes. to these chemical toxins going in the system. Milk thistle's good; um, shouldn't really be on that long term. Probably no longer than four to six weeks, and then maybe have a couple okay. of weeks rest.
1: Yes, uh,
2: works better if you cycle it in, cycle it out. Okay. Um, homeopath helpful for some detoxing, helping the body clear toxins too. So maybe talking to a homeopath.
1: Yep, lovely. So someone here has two alpine dingoes who haven't been revaccinated since the age of three, after they were getting bouts of vomiting and ear infections after their vaccinations. They're now thriving nine-year-olds. The question is about possible seizures, or is it puppy nightmares a thing? And are probiotics something that would help with this?
2: Well, probiotics are a general good thing for just about every animal on the planet. So you can't do any harm. You can only do good. Uh, You can get pretty um, intense streaming with animals. Yes. I'd I'd need to see some video of these um, potentially night horrors to to see if I thought it was actually fitting behaviour or not. It's a bit hard to um you know make any judgment yes, without exactly Seeing what's actually going on but you can i certainly hear my little fella whimpering and crying pretty loudly in the night when he's having intense dreams but if you get to the point where there's um you know really overt physical movement um if the dog doesn't respond if you try to wake it up that mm. would be a sign of more fit behavior those that That would be maybe a test if you can get to them while they're in the middle of this activity in the night and give them a shake. And if they don't wake up, well,
1: something's going um, on.
2: Chances are that it's more likely to be some kind of um, fitting thing. And fits can be anything from simple, really just little absence seizures where the animal just sort of goes vacant for five or 10 seconds and unresponsive, right through to, you know, tense cluster, grand mal, which if you don't, Tree um, will kill the dog.
1: Right, okay. Well, I was just, Das, was certainly having a big dream before, he was growling away while he was asleep, having a good <laughs> old something was really annoying him. And then I love Vindy does a lot of the Lily sits there and he's running in his dreams. Yeah. <laughs> he does a lot. Yes, you do. I'm talking about you. He's forever running in his dreams, which I think is very yeah.
2: cute. It's like that. His whole body will be
1: going, <laughs> he does a lot. So, um, all good fun so this is so so they're all our viewer questions um and then there was one other thing that I wanted to pick up with you and I'm not sure who may or may not have seen it was in the media everywhere and um, it certainly got me I was very risen to this um and the headlines that I saw around that vegan diets are healthier options for our dogs which I then went and read the research which very well it didn't even actually show that it showed that the dogs on raw food diets mm-hmm. came out healthier, which they then oh, try look, to rejustify. justify Pro-veg funded vegan researcher. It just drove me bonkers. I wrote to all the media outlets and I had nothing back in return, but I just want to address it here that it was look,
2: I uh, think I best. think if you, you've got a vegan researcher, you've got a strong bias, and we know for sure that it's been scientifically proven that researcher bias affects the outcomes. Absolutely. I've, yeah, on every level, a whole way through the process it has effects on it. I'm not convinced that that's that research is meaningful. No, i was not either high enough, I'm not convinced that the that anything was really um you know, maybe you could call it a preliminary study, but even then I don't think it was um of a level of scientific integrity that would and and honestly, it's just a load of crap. Dogs are not bloody oh, well. No. They're just okay. not. They're not. They're not vegetarian. They're not. not they're not. Physiologically
1: designed. They're not biologically they're not, designed.
2: They're, they're carnivores, and again, you know, you're also feeding a highly processed food, which is. You know, it, yeah, it goes back what,
1: to the debate, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> what What human doctor is going to say to a person, "Oh, you should eat packet food for every meal of your life." No human doctor ever is going to say that, right? It's just not because it's just blindingly obvious that fresh whole foods are better for for humans and animals than highly processed foods. And animals, in experience, every time we get them off kibble and onto a fresh whole foods diet with a good amount of protein, meat protein in it, well, I see out of sight improvements in the animals that I'm working with with that. And um, you've got to remember that that there are very very large forces pushing those kinds of articles too, and that kind yeah. of media.
1: Yes, I was. I just had to get that off my chest because I was very angry. And it was also it was owner reported, so the owners reporting on what their interpretation of what the vet was saying. And I was like, has anyone ever played a game of Chinese whispers and seen how that turned out? <laughs> that,
2: that is that is not robust data.
1: No. Thank you, Dr. Edward. I needed to get that out there in public. I'm (laughs) thinking I'm still, I'm still not over that. I'm still, still really angry around that one. So anyway, I'm just really concerned about how misleading that is to a wide, wide population, which are already confused enough over food as it is. So regardless of the fact that we're here in the big dog family, I just think it's really important to point out completely flimsy piece of research one of the most yeah. flimsiest i've seen and i researched a lot for my book and i saw them all and i you know i discount all those others as well The from the kibble companies that show with 27 dogs this was a better diet so you know I've, I've seen it all and this one was probably one of the flimsiest yep. i have seen oh, sorry sorry, round over <laughs> oh. lovely <laughs> all right well thank you so much for that hopefully we have answered some of the questions there and concerns and getting more people asking their vets now for teeter testing and if they say why not or want to charge them three or four hundred bucks find another vet or ask them to get a kit no, or in-house
2: just, you know if you love your vet and they haven't really worked out that you can do it in-house say look there's there's this VaxiCheck BioGal company VaxiCheck in-house teeter test they're super affordable could you please get some in for me yep
1: beautiful,
2: beautiful. lovely Awesome.
1: Thank you for that. And Beautiful. We'll see you again. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Edward.
0: Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Food website. Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not nor is intended to be substituted for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.